0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Life with Behavior Analysis Podcast. I'm your host, Ms. J, and I hope that you enjoy today's show. Let's dig in and do life together with behavior analysis. Welcome to the Life with Behavior Analysis Podcast. We thank you for taking the time out to listen. I don't take it lightly that you chose this podcast today, so as always, please like, subscribe, and share. Today, I have a very special guest. I have coach, disability coach. Latria Weish, She is 41 years old. She is originally from PG County, Maryland, and she is a disabilities empowerment coach, a motivational speaker, and a published author. She currently resides in Fayetteville, North Carolina with her 14-year-old daughter. Born with Pfeiffer syndrome, a rare genetic disorder that causes the bones in the skull and other parts of the body to not fuse properly, Latria also has vision and hearing impairments and has had to endure more than 30 to 45 operations to correct various health problems. Through it all, she has managed to defy the odds. She has earned her bachelor's degree in psychology, a master's degree in education. She became a professional certified life coach as well as as certif- as well as certified in disabilities ministries leadership. Latria has also had her book, Intimate Conversations with God, featured as a special book in the 2017 NAACP convention. Latria also sh- travels all over the state of North Carolina, speaking at various disability organizations. Latria also has her own radio sh- station, as well as a radio show called Dreaming Beyond Your Disability, a platform Latria uses to talk about uh, prevalent issues within the disability community, community, such as disability and sexual abuse, the hidden disability, disability and suicide, as well as... a to provide a platform for people with disabilities to have their voices heard. Latria was one of the many panelists who was a part of the 2019 Crazy Like a Fox tour, a tour designed to spotlight mental health in the African American community. Latria has also gone on to be featured on the renowned Dr. Sarah After After Dark Talk show where she shared her story. In 2020, Latria earned her license and became a North Carolina Pre-K teacher within the state of North Carolina, she hopes to one day go into the classroom. So please, everyone, welcome Latria Weiss. Yay! So Latria, what is a disabilities coach and how did you become one? Okay, well,
1: a disabilities empowerment coach was something that was given to me by God. I had no idea what it was, I didn't know. when I first got my uh, certification to become a life coach, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I had a certification to coach, but I didn't know what that meant. i didn't know I didn't know anything. but I always believed that I am disabled for other people. I've always believed that my disability was was to be used to help other people. So when I came up with or what God gave me disabilities empowerment coach, I was like, okay, what does that really mean? And as I, I dug a little deeper, I empower, motivate, and encourage people with disabilities to live above the limits of society. Society places a lot of limitations on people with disabilities that we feel like we can't live above. And but the more I, I kind of got into it, I realized that some of those limitations were self-imposed as well. So, what I, as a coach, try to do is I try to distill the limitations that society places on us, as well as the limitations that we often have. Wow. Okay. So, as a
0: disabilities coach, what are the main, um, what are the main tenets of your coaching? So, you said that you try to get people with disabilities or individuals with disabilities to go above the limits that they place on themselves or, or how society has placed on them. So exactly how do you do
1: that? Well, it all depends on the situation because I've had clients that have had very good situations. I've had clients that have come to me that they'll say, I just want to live on my own. I'm 23 and I'm tired of living with my parents. I just want to live on my own. Right, And I've had parents come to me and say, they're not right. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I work with both the person with the disability and the parent and up workable plan that gets them to that goal. That okay. goal is to live on their own. And with parents, I try to tell them or I try to show them that as much as we want to be here for our children forever, Mm-hmm. That's just not how it. That's not. That's not. That's not reasonable. Right. We're not gonna be here forever. There's gonna come a point in time in your life where, as an adult, you're gonna close your eyes. You're gonna go on to the Lord, and your child is gonna be left here. Mm-hmm. And what we need to give him, him or her, the tools to live successfully independently. And some parents are like well, no, I don't want to go that route. Or there's some parents are like, oh, okay, I kind of understand what you're saying. So I think for me, it just all depends on what they want to do. Like I had another um, client that, he wanted to go to college. He didn't want to go to a big university. He just wanted to go to a two-year college, a two-year community college. Mm -hmm. So what I did with him, I sat down and we structured goals and plans to get him to college, filling out the uh, application. Right. Um, you know, filling out the application, applying for the fact that taking the needed necessary test to get him there. And just formatting a plan for him to get him to where he was trying to go or what he was trying to do. Um, I had another client that wanted a job. Right. I thought she wanted, she wanted a job. Mm-hmm. She didn't. And it wasn't, she wasn't one of those people that well, I'm not going to work here, I'm not going to work here. Right, she just no, wanted to work just somewhere. she wanted a job. She right. wanted that feeling of independence that a lot of able-bodied people take for granted. Right. She just wanted a job. She wanted to say that she got up every morning. She had a purpose. She was going to work. She was making money. She was making her own money. And she, it gave her a purpose. So I, we walked through the process of trying to figure out, okay, what kind of job do you want? Where do you want to work? Is it close to your house? So again, we sat down, we mapped out, you know, different different a uh, plan of action for her mm-hmm. as to how she's going to go about getting this job, filling out the application, um, and uh, interviewing interviewing skills. And I actually created a whole course based off of that, off of interview skills: how to for an interview, how to fill out a job application, wow. how to um, how to assess a career from a job. What's the difference between having a career and having a job? These are a lot of the things that in the school system, they don't teach that's true. people with disabilities. They just don't teach them that. So I developed the whole course mm-hmm. based off of just that, just job readiness, because in, my, in our community, that's a big thing, right. having a job, because that's that sense of security and that sense of independence. It depends on one thing that we all strive
0: for. Now, you mentioned community. So, what do you think is missing, or what's the missing link between the disabled community or the disability community and, say, the general public? I hate to say it like that, but the general public, like, what are we missing? What
1: are we missing? I think there is a disconnect there. Right. But I think empathy. Mm. I think empathy because we can't, we, a lot of times, and I say we because I feel like sometimes I have a problem with this. Mm-hmm. We can't get out of our own way mm. to look and focus on what somebody else may have going on. All right. So we're so caught up in what we got going on and we're in this rush, 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 hustle That's of very hustle. And we don't stop to take the time and say, you know what? Maybe this person needs a little more time. Mm-hmm. Maybe this person needs the opportunity, a little more of an opportunity to catch up. Maybe we need to level. And, and that's what I tell people about people with disabilities. We don't want special treatment. Mm-hmm. We don't want you to change the rules. Uh, most of us, that right. awesome to do, but most of us don't want that. Most of us want just to level the playing field. Mhm, Just level the playing field. And and that's that's typically it. So if I if I, I would go back and say, just level the playing field so that we all have the same opportunity and success as say an average person would have. Right. So
0: I know that there's certain things in the in the African American community, some some myths, some uh, misconceptions about individuals with just in our community with disabilities. So I know that I've heard you know that people have especially like with children with disabilities like you can beat the 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 disability out of the the child or you can beat them to Mm -hmm. act um, appropriately or to act quote-unquote normal Mm -hmm. what are some of those things that you've seen in the African-American community that are detrimental to
1: individuals with disability I think that they kind of make the disability the child's fault, mm. and they kind to of send that message like, if you could behave, if you right. would just behave. Right. And I remember, I remember that because my daughter, who's 14 now, she has ADHD, mm-hmm. and I knew she had ADHD. I think I knew when she was in kindergarten mm. because no, I'm sorry, first grade because the teacher would always come home and always say. You know, Olivia has a problem with talking. Mm-hmm. Olivia talks all the time. Right. She still talks all the time. <laughs> 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 but Olivia has a problem with talking. Uh-huh. And, you know, and no matter what, I can't get anything done because all she does is talk. Now, look, I, I, I'm not perfect. But, and I can say I've been one of those parents. Like, I've gotten on her. I'm talking right. to talking. Because at first, she's like, okay, she's just doing what she wants to do and not really listening and not, you know, because that's what she wants to do. She wants to talk. Right. But then one day she came home and she said something to me that kind of made me stop. She said, Mommy, I don't want to talk. I just can't help it. Right. I don't want right. to not listen. I just can't help it. So at that moment, I said, okay, there's something you want want here. Mm -hmm. there's there's something deeper going on in this situation and so we took and I even had a meeting with her at the time I said I think Olivia has ADHD right oh no no she doesn't have that she doesn't exhibit the sign of having ADHD yeah and it's harder
0: it is harder to see ADHD in from what I've read um in literature it's harder to diagnose girls than it is for boys because it manifests itself a lot, a lot differently in right, in, in, in right.
1: Well. See, girls do this girls talk right and they, right. And they, and they, they talk boys are antsy a boys yeah they they're more yeah they, they want to move doing something all the time right so, yeah, and they manifest themselves very differently in boys and girls so but I think as a mother mm-hmm. I just kind of knew I don't know what it was but I kind of felt like I knew mm-hmm. and she just kept telling me no she doesn't have that I said okay. I said, well, I'm gonna take her and get her tested. And right. Said, and sure, enough, that's what she had. So once I found out that's what she had, I was just like, okay. And even her dad didn't believe she had.
0: it. Mm.
1: So I was kind of in this in this space bubble. by yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, because I, as a mother, I, I'm sorry, as a mother, you know, when you know your child. Not, like you right. Know your child. So. When the text came back and she had it, it has been my mission from that point on all the way up to today to make sure that I created a space for her that allowed her to be who she was. And I always would tell her that she would come down on herself Oh, well, I'm not smart enough. Well, I'm not this or I'm not that. And I would always tell her, Olivia, your ADHD does not define who you are. That's it's just it. a puzzle piece. It's mm-hmm. just a puzzle piece. It does not define who you are. It doesn't define who you want to be. It's just an added puzzle piece that God felt like you needed. Right. And right. that's what I tell her. Every morning, I tell her, you be the best Olivia that you can be. You're not going to be the best mommy. You're not going to be the best daddy. You're going to be the best Olivia. Uh-huh. And I just kind of been on that journey with her, you know, um, from the day I found out she had it. But right. it, I've seen in other cases where it has not been that smooth. Um, I've seen cases where parents will hide their children, mm. will put them in the back room when a company comes over. Right, right. Because they don't want anybody to know that they have a disabled child. As a matter of fact, that had happened to me a couple of times. I was, at a home. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a foster home. I was in a foster home as a good like of Third or fourth foster home, or what have you. And the woman was African American woman. Mm-hmm. She had two kids in the room, and she couldn't stand the sight of me. Mm. I had to eat off of plastic cups, and that. your yeah, plastic cup. out a plastic cup. <laughs> <Yeah, right>. oh, <laughs> use plastic utensils, use paper plates, all of that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't eat off of nothing that could be washed. Jeez. Everything that I used had to be tossed away mm-hmm. because she was so afraid that whatever I had would magically, mystically jump off mm-hmm. onto them and her children. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to cover the baby. I wasn't allowed to do any of that mm-hmm. because she was just afraid of what I had would jump off on yeah. them. It, it got to the point where I wasn't really allowed to sit in the living room and watch TV. I had to sit in the bedroom and watch TV. Because she was afraid that if company came over, they would see me mm. so i've been I've been on both both ends, but I do believe, and I tell people this all the time, especially people in my community, that african Americans are not they're not the kindest when it comes to disability mm. That they're, they're not the kindest, and I don't mean to say it in a uh a overall cultural judgmental way. Right. But it's based upon my experience. Uh-huh. Like, for example, I, um, I've had two men in my life
0: uh-huh.
1: that have been disabled. And my own mother, the woman that gave birth to me, uh-huh. didn't accept them. Gee. Because they were disabled.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, the first one was my child's father. She didn't like him. And it wasn't that it was anything. She didn't know him. Right. But she didn't like him because he had CP. Mm-hmm. The man that I currently am with, she has CP as well, but he's in a wheelchair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I tell you, the arguments we've had the past two days, she just straight out came out and said, I don't like him She's in a wheelchair. He can't take care of you. He's
0: in a wheelchair. Wow. Not even knowing that Not even. his skills or what what he can or can't do is just,
1: right. wow. All people see. And I don't mean to make it a racial thing, mm-hmm. but I see the disparity. Mm-hmm. I and, and and I think that a lot of I think it's time out for us to be turning a blind eye. Too, right. Because the disparity is there. It, it, as much as we don't want to everybody gets all kind of in and get their paintings in a bunch when we start talking about race. But let's just be all the way 100 it. The disparity is there. Right. You and then you can the only difference. speak from your
0: experience as right. a black woman. Right. With right. black parents, as you right. know, having a black child, it's this is what you have experienced. So it's right. not as if you're talking about another, another right. nationality, another, race, right. And right. you have no right. experience there. This is right. where your experience lies. Right.
1: Right. Right.
0: So what can behavior analysts, psychologists, sociologists, social workers, any, any, um, those individuals in those professional fields that work with others with in, with disabilities, what can we do better? What can we do to better support the disabled community
1: be real with them Mm -hmm. be real be honest and I think that's something that is lacking in our community too Mm. is the honesty and the realness because at the end of the day when all is said and done we have challenges right and we have to understand and embrace the fact that okay you know what I may not be able to do everything that everybody else can do. Doesn't right. make me a bad person. Doesn't make me any less than. This right. just means that I have challenges in this area. Because, had hey, I tell
0: you,
1: when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I was going to be fighting crime. Really? <laughs> or, I thought, <laughs> or I thought I was going to be in the army.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And somebody told me, they was like, Uncle Sam was not talking to you, sweet. He does not want you. Oh, and and, and no. they said it in you know, a me when you're like 14, 15, you're hearing that. You're right. Like, huh? But as I got older, like, yeah, not being able to see it here would kind of kind of kind of uh, throw that off a little bit. So um yeah, so but uh, the but the best advice I can give is to be honest. If you if you're working with the person with a disability and they want to do something, mm-hmm. and you know that that might be a challenge for them, we should be
0: honest with them. With
1: yeah, yeah and just be honest with them and say, you know what? This might not be a, be something that you can do, but we'll find another way around getting it done. Like, for example, I remember I wanted to drive. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted I, I to drive, and I just knew I was going to drive. I had the car kicked out of everything. Right. One <laughs> <laughs> well, of my foster parents took me down to the department of motor vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I talked to the guy in the motor vehicle department. He said, if you, he said, your vision is too bad. Mm-hmm. He said, you wouldn't pass the written test. He said, let alone, he said, I wouldn't feel safe putting you behind the wheel because mm-hmm. your vision is so bad. Mm-hmm. And it hurt. But right. I can appreciate some being honest. Right. Don't just tell me something because it sounds good or it's all nice or flowery and it's pretty and it's just that. No, be honest with me. I'm a person like you are, and I want you to be honest with me. Right. So I think that there's, there there needs to be more of that in the community, especially coming from people that are psychologists and social workers and people in that field. You need to start being honest with your clients. That look, you have some challenges. Doesn't make or break you. It's right a, you have challenges in this area and we're gonna have to you can do it but we could have to find another way to get done.
0: right so how can we better advocate then because you you say be honest which is of, of course you want people to be honest with you no matter what walk of life that you're in mm-hmm. but how can we better advocate because I think there's a fine line between telling somebody, oh, well, this may not, like for, for instance, for your, the DMV example, someone mm-hmm. telling you, hey, this is something that unfortunately you cannot do. Let's look for an alternative. Where's, mm-hmm. how can we better advocate for individuals with disabilities? Is it a matter of, because to me, that's like telling you what to do instead well, of helping you find yeah, that right. so, you know that right. alternative.
1: Right. So in terms of advocating, what she will do is she will focus on what they can do. Right, right. And that would be what she would push to the forefront. Not so much what they words correctly. Because there's a lot of people out there with with disabilities that want to do certain things uh-huh. but cannot.
0: Because so, they have different I mean, barriers.
1: Right, they have different barriers. Right. So what I've tried to do is I've tried to say, okay, let's not focus so much on what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Let's look for what the thing that you can do. Right. Let's look for, you know, a different avenue. So for me, I feel like highlighting what they can do versus focusing on what they can't do. Because the general, the general assumption is, oh, well, I can't do this, Right, I can't mm-hmm, do that, mm-hmm. so I must be, you know, less than. Right, so,
0: right. What, what Focus I can on say those strengths is, instead of those weaknesses. Right, right. Yeah.
1: so that is, for me, that would be the best advice I would give in terms of advocating. And in terms of allowing them to understand that their disability does not define who they are. Right, the right. disability is just, like I said, it's just a puzzle piece. It's extra puzzle piece that God felt like you need.
0: So you say it... I, which I think is important that we should make sure that individuals understand that the disability is not who you are. It is just a piece of who you are or a piece of that puzzle. But how do we get individuals to uh, to, to see it that way to, to have that different outlook on on life. Because well, I think that's the then, hardest thing. If you're constantly yes. told you can't do, you can't do, you right, can't do, right. and then, how do you change that it perspective? Goes back
1: to, it goes back to focusing on what you can do. Right. It goes back to focusing on, okay, so I may not be able to do this, but I can do this. Right. I believe that every, even, even people with disabilities, I believe that everybody has a skill. Mm-hmm. And everybody has a skill but they should do better than somebody else. Right. So the goal it would be to find that person's skill mm-hmm. or find what that person is good at. Like I I knew a person that was blind, mm-hmm. that could draw like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. But he was blind. Right. So things like that. Mm-hmm. Like he might not have been able to, to drive or do anything else, but he could draw. Right. And he was he was okay with that. He was okay with knowing that this is what I can do, and I'm comfortable in being, this is what I can do. Right. And I think we have to get people, when well, to be saying, I don't mean to keep doing that, but for people with disabilities have to come to a place where they're comfortable enough with themselves. Now, as, a, as a, um, a practitioner in that area, I feel like it's only, but so much, Mm-hmm. advocating in that area because as a person with a disability there was a lot of things that I had to come to grips with on my own. Mm. I had to come to grips with the fact that I am never gonna look like Brandy. I am never gonna look like Leah. I love right. <laughs> But anyway, I had to come to grips with I'm always gonna look like a Right. That was a long struggle for me, but I had to come to grips with that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times for people with disabilities especially those that um, have this habit, have like become disabled later in life, mm-hmm. and have that, that drastic change, mm-hmm. they have to come to grips with, okay, this is my life now. It's right. hard. It, I'm not saying it's easy by no stretch of the imagination, but until that person comes to grips with, this is my reality right now, then that's when, practitioners and so on and so forth to come in and start doing what they need to do in terms of helping and advocating. But I think it starts with the disabled person. I think it starts with them understanding and recognizing that, you know, this is this is my life. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not perfect. Right. But I can find something in it to make it work for me. I can find some positivity in it to make it work for me. I may not be able to do everything that everybody else can do, but I have to do something. And I have to find that something and tap into that something.
0: So what is missing, do you think, in the African-American community in regards to disabilities? I know we talked about empowering individuals with disabilities, finding those things that they can do and focusing on the positives rather than the, the negatives or the disability itself, making sure individuals understand that the disability that they may have doesn't define who they are. They're still a whole and complete person. And it's not just, Oh, you are your cerebral palsy. Oh, you are your autism. Oh, you are whatever. So what do you, do you think there's anything else that is missing in our community in regards to how we not only treat individuals with disabilities, but how we, Oh, what's what's the turn I'm looking for? Just how we operate as, mm-hmm. as a whole, how we operate as a community towards individuals with a disability.
1: Well, I think that I think it starts at home. Mm. I think it starts at home. I think it starts with parents. Mm-hmm. What are you telling your child with a disability? That's good. What are you What are you telling him? What are you telling him about himself? What are you telling him about his ability? Mm-hmm. Are you speaking life to him? Are you speaking, are you giving him the necessary skills that he needs to be successful? And I tell my parents all the time. Mm-hmm. I say, you have to teach your child how to live without you. Ooh, you that's have right. to give that's them right. the skills and the necessary tools to live without you. I said because there's going to come a point in time in life where they're going to be without you. That's right. And they're going to have to know how to go to the ATM. They're going to have to know how to make a grocery list. They're going to have right, to know right, how right. to go to the grocery store and operate within society because if you're not here. I right. think the world's not going to slow down because your child happens to have a disability. Right. And, I, and, and, I, and I feel really weird saying that sometimes because I don't want to come off as being cold. Or, or you know, or not caring or anything like that. But it's the reality of the situation. the reality of the situation. The world is not going to stop. It's not going to slow down. It's not going to hit a pause button because your child happens to have a disability. Right. Your child is going to be expected to go out into society and function. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, he may not function on the level that everybody else functions on. Right. But he's going to be expected to function. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had, like I said, I had a mother who was an African American woman, and her child wanted to go away to college, and she was scared to death.
0: We're talking, I, I understand.
1: Remember, and I remember her just sitting there, just crying, just mm-hmm. crying, just crying, like, that's my baby. Mm-hmm. What if somebody robs him? What if somebody takes his money? What mm-hmm. if somebody does this? What if somebody, I mean, she had all of these things. Scenarios, Four, right? Yeah, scenarios. As to what, kind of, what if you forgets to lock the door? What if you forgets to cut the stove off? I said, well, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that no the stove can't happen. Right. That. I right. Said, because in reality, that's the reality we live in. And anybody that works with me knows that I give it to you 100 Right. And sometimes I think I'm too real, but I think (laughs) i real. I said, but what we do, I said, we got a whole summer. Mm -hmm. What we do throughout this summer is we work with him. We teach him how. We give him skills and techniques on how to make sure the door is locked. We give him skills and techniques on how to remember to go and turn the stove off. We give him skills and techniques on how to go to the ATM, how to make a shopping list, how to do the little things that he, he's going to need to learn how to do while he's on campus. I right. say, and I feel like if you give him those skills and techniques, then you it will help him, but it will also help you feel More, yeah at comfortable ease. Mm-hmm. about letting him go. I not only work with the, the person with the disability, I also work with the parent as well. Which because is I, I understand. Yes, I do understand that that's a tough, 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 tough situation to be in. But right. I, I just tell parents, speak life to your children. Right. Regardless of what their disability is, speak life to them. Tell them that their disability doesn't define who they are. And don't treat them any different than you would at average. Right. Um, not average, but a, a non-disabled child. Right.
0: If
1: your disabled child does something that she's not supposed to do, you discipline him the way you would discipline any any of your other children. Right. Now, if it's a situation where his disability has is what is caused him to do certain things, that's a different situation. Right. There's a difference. But, right. But at the same token, they have people with disabilities have to understand that there are rules and regulations that you have to follow like everybody else does. Right.
0: Right. So, so before we we finish up. Are there any questions the audience should be asking themselves that they may not have considered? And I mean, like our attitudes, our, our views towards individuals with disabilities. Like, are there any questions that we should be considering?
1: Um, yeah. Are you patient? Mm. When you see a person with a disability, what is your first thought process? Is your first thought process, oh my God, I feel so sorry for them. Or is your thought process, you know, way to go? They're out there living life, and they're out there doing doing it the best way they know how. Mm-hmm. Check your thoughts. That's right. good. That's good. Um, you know, um, and and am I being patient enough? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, I I have a life, and I'm I'm trying to get things done. I'm trying to move and shape to do what I need to do. But do I recognize that the person next to me may need a little more time? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. am I exercising? this and it was something my mother taught me a long time ago as a kid, and it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. You treat people the way you want to be treated. Right. So, if I was that person, would I want to be treated the way that I'm treating that person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would I want someone to treat me like that? So, I think a lot of times that doesn't register. Well, we've become those lessons of are lessons we've taught as kids. Right. But as adults, they just don't. Whatever reason, yeah, we it's like we forget him. Yeah, it's like it just doesn't register. And, and I think for me, that is what has caused me to be where I am because mm-hmm. I always think about it in the first thought. Well, how would I want to be treated? Right. How would I want if I was in that situation? How would I want to be treated? How would I want people to receive me? How would I want people to to get an apple with me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is what I do. I interact with people the way I would want to be interacted with. I treat mm-hmm. people the way that I would want to be treated. Right. So that, for me, I think that was that's the golden rule. And I tell my kids at work, and uh, we have a big sign in my classroom that says the golden rule: treat people the way you want to be treated. Right. And that's something I've been drilling in them since the beginning of school. <laughs> and they can probably say it. <laughs> they can probably tell
0: you what's the goal to rule.
1: What's the go to rule? And they probably tell you what the uh, goal to rule is. But yeah, that, that would be the number one and I would tell. Think about, think about, check your thought process. Um, no person with a disability wants you to feel sorry, for them. Right. They don't. Right. They don't. They're just people out there living their lives to the best they to the best of their ability. But you're living your life to the best of your ability. The only difference is they're doing it with a little bit of some challenges that you may not have.
0: Right, right. So, where can the audience find you, Latria? How can they contact you?
1: Uh, They can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I have two. Well, I have three. Anyway, I have have my business page, uh, Woman of Impact, uh, Latria Life. That's on Facebook. That I have another page I need to work on a little more called "I am more than my disability." Oh, I like that. And um, that's gonna actually in the near future, I'm getting ready to open a um, a um what is it? a resource center. Oh, that's gonna be disability. awesome. Yeah, um, it's gonna be kind of like a one stop shop type of thing mm-hmm. where people with disabilities can get. Everything that they need right there in that one place. Because I find awesome. that with disability, they gotta go here, they gotta go there, they gotta go right. Here, gotta everything go is already always, like,
0: always scattered and in, in all right.
1: the places. Right for the average person with disability, getting around is a is a, a challenge for them because a lot of them don't drive. Right. a lot of them use you know uh, the transit system. So if they had everything in one central location, I think that would be easy okay that um works. so yeah so um well, more than my disability um woman of impact uh latrea weish um i think on instagram it's coach latrea uh, i have a youtube page as well but i've been working on it's what is that coach latrea is on youtube
0: so. and just for everyone to know latrea is spelled l-a-t-r-e-a and Weish is W-Y-C-H-E. Yeah. So please look out for Latria Weish. Look for all of her pages. Look for her YouTube channel. And as always, follow us at at uh, lifewithbehavioranalysis.com. Almost forgot where I was going to go with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Sherelle, for having me. No problem. We thank your, you for So I really, really appreciate it. Um And I thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to speak to your audience.
0: So We thank you because I think it's important to hear both sides, not only those of us that work with individuals with disabilities or different, uh, different abilities, but also from the perspective of those with the disabilities. Like, what do you want us to know? What do you want us right. To, right. to do yeah. for you? Because right. I, I think sometimes that's missing. We don't ask. What right. do you need from me? What do you want right. from me? It's right. just, we go in with a plan and we implement that plan. Right. And we, right. And we sometimes right. we just forget like, hey, they yeah, have they opinions have a voice. too. Yeah, right. they have There's... a voice.
1: And I think a lot of times I think for me too, that's one thing that I work with my clients on too, is understanding that you have a voice. Use it. And right. that is like something that, you know, a lot of them don't realize. Right, because right. they're so used to everybody making decisions for, for them. them, and right. they re- the crazy thing about it is, it's not really what they want to do. But it's like, well, mom has always made that decision. So Mom's I'm just gonna go decision. with it. I'm just gonna go with it Right. And she always says she did do what I need. Not maybe not what I want, but <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I but mean. she knows so. And I'm she to go with it, right? Yeah so i appreciate you coming to the show hopefully we'll have you again
1: yes 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 and again look for coach
0: latria on facebook woman of impact um coach latria look for her on instagram on instagram and youtube and as always we will see you on the next episode Our quote of the episode comes from Stephen Hawking. My advice to other disabled people would be concentrate on things your disability doesn't prevent you doing well and don't regret the things it interferes with. Don't be disabled in spirit as well as physically. As Latria mentioned earlier, focus on what you can do. This doesn't mean you ignore or don't recognize where limitations lie. Just don't dwell in that place. Uplift and encourage.
1: Thank you for listening to Live live with... behavior analysis podcast don't forget to subscribe and share also make sure you check out our website for more content see you next time bye